With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Grace Basidas has one of those dreamy careers where her life stage and her work have always been in sync. In the most recent incarnation, Grace is, as she puts it, a multicultural mommy and the editor-in-chief of Parents Latina and Ser Padres, a national media brand she launched and has grown to reach an audience of over 3 million. In other words, Grace knows how to identify a core audience, deliver them what they crave, and then use the platform and the power she has to expand who sees themselves reflected. Grace, I am so glad we finally found the time to do this. Me too. I feel like, you know, this has been on our radar for ages. So, Well, that's because you felt like a long lost friend. When I was first becoming a mom almost five years ago, going to those OBGYN visits where you sit in the office and you're like looking at everyone else and trying to figure out why everyone's there and looking clues like, is this their first kid? Is this their second kid? And you can always tell because people who is their third kid, they're there with like a big cup of coffee. They're eating sushi. And your magazine was always sitting there and it felt so relevant to me. And as someone who creates content, I've spent so much time thinking about my core consumer that it was so funny to be on the other side of it where I was like, well, I have been micro targeted and they got it exactly right. I am so delighted to hear that because that is the whole point of Parents Latina, where you feel instantly connected, even if you're in this waiting room with no one that has a similar life experience to you, or they're on their third or fourth kid or whatever, you open our magazine and you feel like you found your people. I grew up in New York and that's where I lived my whole life. So I've always had my girlfriends, my Latina friends. And so when I became a mom, I, you know, I did feel like I had other people to lean on, 
But, you know, not everybody has that. Some people live in, you know, communities where they never see anyone like them. The mission of Parents Latina is to help moms feel connected and feel that sense of mission of what they're doing if they're trying to pass on their traditions, their heritage, their culture, their language. If you live somewhere where you don't hear another person speaking Spanish and you're like, I feel a little awkward doing this, you know, you say, it's fine. Yes, this is what I should be doing. It's okay. And there's power in that. Um, Latinas come in every possible color, hair texture, uh, ethnicity. So we really aim to find what that shared experience is like and to show as many different types of parents as we can. Part of the reason that that experience of picking up Parents Latina stuck with me is because it was in such sharp contrast to the first magazine I ever read. I remember I was at a school board meeting with my mom and her friend last sort of leafed through her purse to see if she had anything that would entertain me. I was probably seven or eight at the time and she handed me <laughs> Harper's Bazaar and I was like, well, what is this? Like, I am eight. What am I supposed to do with Harper's Bazaar? But I was intrigued, I think, by this notion of womanhood and what adult women were and what they did. And even then, at seven or eight, growing up in Union City, New Jersey, sitting in that school board meeting, I remember leafing through this magazine and saying, nothing in here reminds me of the women I know or the women in my life or the women I'm in community with. This is not what I imagined womanhood looking like. Do you remember the first magazine you held in your hands Goodness, and the experience I, I, of reading that magazine? I want to say I do, but I, I can't. What magazine did I first read? You know, I think I, I read Seventeen and Sassy and all those teen magazines. And I was about to say, please say Sassy. And Tiger Beat. I had a friend in my apartment building who had Tiger Beat and she introduced me to the new kids on the block. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, who is this beautiful man, Jordan from New Kids on the Block? I was more of a Joey girl myself. Really? I would not have pegged you for a Joey girl, but okay, he was cute. <laughs> I don't remember having that experience of, oh wait, I'm not included in here. I grew up playing with Barbies who were all blonde and it just seemed like, well, this is just the way things are. But I also did look at my mom's magazines. So I looked at Vanidades and TV y novelas <laughs> and all the magazines that she had. And I felt like, oh, this is where we are. You know, so it did feel like a divide. My family's from Colombia and they immigrated from Colombia in the 70s and we lived in a bubble of Colombianness. So we ate the food, we listened to the music, we watched the TV shows. Every year we went to visit my grandmother. And in school, I felt like super American and hearing about meatloaf. What is meatloaf? No, but I'm curious. Are you speaking about the musical artist or the food product? <laughs> the food. I was very intrigued by meatloaf as a kid. <laughs> So I was already living in two different cultures. So the idea that there was a magazine that included white women and blonde women in a very particular experience. And then at home, we had magazines that included Latinas and mirrored more my experience that felt like just the norm. I identify very much with that bifurcation. I think for me, what was actually most surprising was 
the wealth that I was responding to even more than race or ethnicity, which is this blazer in Harper's Bazaar is $3,000. Like what? Who is buying a $3,000 blazer? That part to me was just wild. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. Even, even by any standards. Um, but, you know, I also remember watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous mm-hmm. when I was younger. And just there was this whole other world out there that I was not privy to in any way. And it was, I wouldn't say it was even aspirational because as a kid, you're not thinking like, one day I will buy this $3,000 blazer. It was just kind of, it was make-believe. No, that's what I thought lifestyles of the rich and famous were. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? (laughs) They do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. One of the things, Grace, I have to admit I envy so much about you is that it seems your path has always been crystal clear. Like you have known what you want to do and who you want to be basically from the jump. It is very interesting because I always say that there was always a path for me. I started in journalism in high school. I worked at my my school paper, The Tower, and I got all the juicy assignments when I was in high school. I, I did a profile of the special education department, and I remember the head of that department writing a letter to my journalism teacher and applauding me for this empathetic profile. Then for some reason, the president of the New York Stock Exchange had gone to my high school. So I was picked to 
interview them. And I, this is when I didn't even know you can record something. So I longhand wrote out this interview. I just remember my sweaty palms sticking to the paper and I'm just like, slow down, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> uh, so, and when I entered college, I went to Fordham. I thought it's time to shift and maybe I'll study art history. And I just remember the journalism professor finding me and just kind of putting me back on this path that I was meant to be on. And the one thing that I always excelled at in school was writing. And I skipped a year in English. <laughs> I got bumped up to the next year just in English because of my writing. It came naturally to me. So there was no other thing that I can think of doing. And this was the, the path I've been on my whole life. It's pretty anomalous to be on the path your entire life and then have it work out. But let's start with your first job. Can you explain your first job to me? Every job I've ever had has matched my life stage perfectly. When I was a culture editor, covering music, movies, and theater at the beginning of my career and before I you know, would fall asleep before 9 p.m. <laughs> I was out in the city. I was, you know, taking it all in. Then I decided that I wanted to be a travel writer because I've always enjoyed traveling. I wanted to see the world, experience different cultures. And what better way to do to do it than by reporting about it? So I did that for a long time. Then I started having kids and I was like, oh, that's not really conducive to, you know, far-flung adventures. As a Latina mom, when I had my first daughter, I, I realized that I had all these questions like, oh my gosh, how am I going to teach my kids Spanish if I'm speaking English all the time? Like I just felt myself moving away from my culture. And I just told you the way I was raised was very much in a bubble of Colombianness, And I knew my children wouldn't have that experience because my husband is not Latino. I was raised in New York. I was raised in the U.S. So I'm already bicultural. I just knew I didn't want to lose that connection. I decided I'm going to write a book about this. And if I'm experiencing this, chances are somebody else's. So I started to get down all these notes about raising multicultural children. Mind you, I think my daughter was two at the time. Around that same time, I heard that my company, Meredith, was launching a magazine for Latino parents. And I thought, wait a second here. Did I just will this into existence? And I got in touch with the right people and I went and I interviewed for this job. I was three months pregnant with my second child at the time. Did you let them know or did you keep that on the DL? Of course I let them know. I was like, full disclosure, I am pregnant. Because I will tell you, I have been in that position. And I have just worn an oversized blazer and hope for the best. But you know what? I think this was different because I felt like being pregnant with a second child, I'm even more qualified for this job. I was pretty candid about it and I was hired on the spot. So matching my career to my life stage has always just made it more about what I'm passionate about than it being strictly a job. Obviously, it's still a job. You're working for a big corporation. There's expectations, but it just made it easier to kind of um, blend my life with my career. What I find interesting about that jump to parents Latina is that 
it's the first time you're an editor-in-chief and you're not just an editor-in-chief, you're a founding editor-in-chief, which meant that you weren't just taking over a product that already had a vision, a voice, a clear audience. You were building all of it in real time. So take me back to those initial meetings, the initial thought work you were doing in terms of identifying who this reader was, what she wanted, and how you were going to serve her. Lots of big questions there. So Parents Latina is a sister magazine to parents. There was a really good template to follow in parents. I was just making it very much more specific to our audience. And I was the audience. I was this potential reader. I knew that lots of modern moms are second and third generation. Many times they're married to someone of a different culture. And I knew what was important to this reader just because of my own feelings about how I wanted to raise my children. There were also insights that I looked into because I don't pretend to know every single reader. I do think that living in New York and just being around so many different cultures is super helpful, but I had to do a lot of listening and to see what that experience of being say, a Mexican-American mom in Los Angeles versus being a Cuban-American mom in Miami versus being a Puerto Rican mom in New York. And I say mom a lot because in the beginning, that was really who we were targeting. You know, we've become much more inclusive. I know your most recent cover. I got chills when I saw it. Yes, we had a single gay dad. He's a big celeb on TikTok. His name is Jose Rolón. When I talked to him about being on the cover, which I never really call anybody and say like, hey, I'm going to put you on our cover. But I did with him. And he was like, are you sure? Are you sure this reader is ready for me? (laughs) I said, yes, yes. And if this reader isn't ready, we will get them ready. They have to know your story. And it's about time to show a gay dad and that you're single is even more empowering as Parents Latina has evolved, the brand has to evolve with the times. And if we want to change the narrative about who's doing the parenting load at home, we have to be super inclusive of dads as well. In the beginning, it was a lot of focus on the moms and really empowering her to find her own journey as a parent, because you know, we were raised in a very specific way and we have to be able to take the good and leave behind the bad. Talk to me about that because, I mean, the language thing is crystal clear and I think it actually is telling that you went through and your daughter was too because that's when they're developing language and so you really start saying to yourself, am I going to be serious about bilingualism? It feels like a make or break moment. At least that's what happened for us. Beyond language, what are the things that make a Latina parent different than a non-Latino parent? The reliance on our family and them, abuela and abuelo, really being part of the process and how we are raising our children and that respect for them and the wisdom that they bring and how they're able to pass their culture on to your children. So The role that the grandparents play is huge in our community. And, you know, we've done studies that one in three Latinas have the grandparent as the babysitter because that's the person they trust the most. Hmm. And you know what? Her hustle. 
there is that certain hustle that comes with being a Latina mom because that's what we grew up seeing, right? So our parents sacrificed so much for us. So we want to give our kids a better life. And we really try to find the best in any situation. So that hustle, that ability to work hard and be passionate about what's important to us is really special. Talk to me a little bit about how you build your magazine and also how you build your team because you're operating with a fairly small team to put out what is an incredibly glossy and information-dense publication. Yes, we'll find ways to take a story and how can we dissect the story for social media? How can we turn it into something else for digital? Um, if we interview someone, hmm, what? where else could this person fit in? Or maybe something coming up, oh, they're a mom, but they're also a psychologist. Maybe we use them in this story coming up so that we are as efficient and we get to maximize the effort as much as possible. Uh, when we're building the magazine, we do have a goal of showcasing as many voices as possible, because I think that's where the magic lies, where people are reading this and think like, hey, this sounds like my girlfriend or this sounds like me or this sounds like my husband. We have to be we're being inclusive. So we're constantly looking for the experts that really know our demographic and can speak in a competent way about those things that affect Latino children most. We do a mix of service, but also empowering content, inspiring content. We want to hit those emotional chords. So we want to inspire you, want to make you laugh. We want to make you think like, hey, this is like my, my friend giving me some advice. What do you want to do next, Grace, given that all of these phases have crescendoed perfectly with your life? Well, you know, when I think about my career, I think of myself as a storyteller for communities of color. Mm -hmm. I was always led into the space. Even in college, I was majoring in journalism and I just started taking a bunch of classes on like Latin American history and Latin American literature. And then, you know, one of the uh, somebody came up to me and was like, hey, if you stay one more semester, you have a whole major in Latin American studies. <laughs> so I just ended up double majoring because I was interested in these topics. Um, so it just is where my heart is. And I've always leaned on my culture to get my foot in the door. Even, you know, as a travel writer, I started writing about Colombia because I thought I have no experience travel writing but I can market myself as the Columbia expert and, you know, tell people that I'm going to um, change the face of Medellin as the, you know, from the cocaine capital of the world to the most interesting destination for intrepid travelers. <laughs> Those are the stories I started writing about. One of the platforms that I'm interested in, you know, is podcasting. I, I like video. I enjoy being in front of the camera and I also love the intimacy of podcasting. And I recently did a podcast on new motherhood that I found really amazing because it let me go back to like those early years of having kids and all the struggles that you feel as a new mom, as you navigate the uncertainty of like, what am I even doing? Um, and I love just the intimacy of the platform and being able to talk to people and ask questions. I've always loved asking questions. I really have to hold back because I want to interview you right now. I 100% <laughs> understand that. At instinct. the end of the day, it's really, again, about 
giving a platform to different people and letting them tell their stories and, you know, people we may not hear from, just giving them that voice to be able to share a little bit of who they are and what they're about. While I enjoy the magazine world and creating content on digital as well, I think that podcasting and video is where I see myself next. I love that. I do want to say that the parenting thing is just, it's amazing just to be able to think about my children at work and think about my work at home and, you know, really bring these worlds together. I enjoy that so much, but I'm learning. I'm, I'm a student at heart, really. I keep... Well, and you have to, because as you know, your industry is in flux. Yeah. It's not like being a magazine editor is the job of the future. Exactly. That skill set will apply to lots of different things. It may not apply to a paper product that comes out once a month. Yes. While I love magazines and I continue to put my heart into everything that I do, I do realize that things are changing and you kind of have to go with the flow and realize how you can repurpose these skills and turn them into something else. And I think being able to talk to people, interview people, get a story, get a compelling story, engage listeners or readers is something that I've always done throughout my career, starting in high school. <laughs> so I think it's about translating those skills. Grace, thank you so much. And thank you for the self-discipline of being on the other side of the interview. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I have to find a way to ask you some questions now. <laughs> okay. Here's one of my takeaways from my conversation with Grace, and that is just how rare her situation is to be producing work that is directly tied to her lived experience. And I wonder what would happen if more of us were allowed to bring ourselves to work the way that Grace has been able to infuse her work with very personal questions, curiosities, and lived experiences. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Sarah McClure is our senior producer. Our lead producer is Cedric Wilson. Kojin Tashiro is our associate sound designer. Steven Colon makes this episode. Jimmy Gutierrez is our managing editor. Manuela Bedoya is our social media editor and at Ops Lead. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. And remember, every time you share the podcast or you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.